Welcome to Fast Forward, where we discuss technology, ethics, and the future of humanity. With your hosts, Rachel Love and Ben Perry. Each episode starts with a broad topic that we found interesting. And explores how it engages with humans and communities in the future. You can expect science news filtered through our woefully amateur lenses. Some strong opinions and hopefully a bit of humor. Welcome to Fast Forward. This is Rachel. I'm Ben. All right. Today we are talking about everything sex and technology. Uh, I think with a focus on pleasure. (laughs) God bless us, everyone. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. I thought I'd begin by sharing uh, my first memory of encountering the, the sex and technology uh, sphere, if you will. Um, and that was when I was a, a kid and was uh, on pornography websites that I definitely should not have been on because I was not 18 years old. Um, and I saw those those ads that run on those kinds of websites for all the, the tech that's supposed to, you know, make your penis larger. And they have these, like, ridiculous graphics uh, that I'm sure many of you have probably seen where it's like, you know, like, oh, my penis grew seven sizes! And it's like, <laughs> and these weird pumps yes. and, you know, yeah. <laughs> vaguely cyberpunk, you know, uh, uh, things you're supposed to attach to your genitals to, to engorge them or something. I don't... But what I remember as a kid is is being like, well, that's definitely not a real thing. Like, even even my, like, 12-year-old brain was like, that doesn't seem legit. <laughs> but I feel like we're hitting a point now where sex tech is becoming more and more ubiquitous and becoming more and more sophisticated. And so it's going to become that much more difficult for the average person to, uh, you know, differentiate between what is, you know, a real technological advancement and what is snake oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a real problem because, you know, I mean, clearly, uh, even as those early attempts were trying to do, like people are trying to profit off of people's, you know, natural insecurities, mm-hmm. their uh, mm-hmm. anxieties. You know, there's a lot, especially in, in this country, there's so much anxiety, yes. so much insecurity wrapped mm-hmm. up in, in sex yeah. um, and in, in image and, you know, for men and just speaking 100%. as men, for, yeah. you know, yeah. in penis size and all these you know, other <laughs> things that like, people... <laughs> put all of this you know psychic import into mm-hmm. um yeah. and it, i think it creates a really uh fraught situation in which you have all sorts of development of new technologies that are going to fill this niche in yeah. particular in a place where you know historically government is lax in regulating because right. they don't want to get into the it's, weeds so right. to speak. I mean, I agree. yeah i think also on top of that uh is just a lack of information right and mm-hmm. us i mean this might be a whole other episode slash podcast, but really how much emphasis and importance and validity we have placed on images um, and really without research or without information and then making decisions based on that. Um, To your point though, I feel like it's getting really commonplace to hear about technology when it comes to sex. Uh, Just the other day, I had some friends over, um, we were having dinner and one of my friends told me how he watches VR porn. And this was my first kind of introduction to that even being a thing. It is a thing. (laughs) Um, And really from the, you know, only a few minute conversation that we had about it. um, What I got from it was that the selection was quite limited, Uh, but it still sounded like, uh, 
he really enjoyed it. Um, and I was really left with just so many questions <laughs> that I didn't feel were appropriate for the moment. But I have so many questions about like, what does that mean for you? What does that mean about your relationship? Um, because he's actually dating one of my really good friends. So just so, so many things come up. Um, and I feel like that's really the premise of of today's show. Well, and I think that, that VR porn is a great place to jump off because here's a, you know, a form of technology which was actually developed hugely in, in just the manner of, you know, a few years. VR mm -hmm. technology more broadly has, uh, you know, developed and progressed by leaps and bounds over the last, uh, you know, two or three years yeah. in particular. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I remember when, there, when VR porn had first come out on the market, there were these hilarious articles talking about these intricate rigs that actors would have to wear on their chest. They're carrying like these, you know, 70, 80 pounds of, of machinery in order to just get a, a VR quality image to, to be possible. Um, and so, you know, the, the articles were talking about like the difficulty that male porn actors were having in, uh, you know, rising to the occasion, if you will. Um, while they're, they're literally <laughs> like carrying logs and also trying to have sex at the same time. Um, <laughs> Oof, indeed. Uh, but now, you know, fast forward just two, three years later, um, and, you know, VR filming rigs are still much more expensive and intricate than, you know, a, a traditional video rig, but... Uh, they've progressed tremendously in that time, and it's become that much more feasible to produce VR quality images. And so, uh, the expansion into the porn space is, you know, really uh, increasing quickly as the cost to produce it keeps to, keeps dropping. And I think it, you know, raises an interesting ethical question. I mean, there's a lot, you know, lots of people talk about, you know, what are the risks of just mm -hmm. pervasive and ubiquitous pornography in general right. on human development, particularly mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, whatever rules you make saying you have to be 18 years old to yes. access this website, like. That's not real. Kids are seeing pornography. If you put it on the internet, yes. like, kids will find it. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean when you're then moving from a space where, you know, kids are finding just, you know, lots of, of free images and videos to now you have kids being able to, you know, have free, immersive, interactive experiences. Right, right. What does that, what does that mean? Um, and how does that change their development? I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot of research behind, um, you know, the trauma that... Uh, occurs when children are introduced to sexual ideas or images at a very young age. And so I would assume it would be just that much more intense, right? If they were to um, unfortunately have that type of experience before that, you know, they were actually emotionally mature enough. Um, but I think that the, the question is, is um, what, how does that change our relationships? with our partners mm -hmm. what is that you know is this something that you know one person in, in the relationship is is doing on their own time is it something where we both have the vr consoles and we're wearing them together and we're watching the same thing like i just have so many questions about what that means um i think specifically for uh the one personal example that i do have i'm just so curious because i know that there's only one console so my question is, is like, when does it happen? Are there rules? Is there limits? You know, are you only allowed to use it like once in a while? Or is it just similar to watching porn? Like whatever rules and boundaries you have with that topic, does that just go over to VR? Or because it is a more immersive experience, do we need additional boundaries? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and it's interesting you bring up sort of interaction with the partner because that's the mm-hmm. other place where it seems like uh, sex tech in general is moving very quickly yep. um, and expanding is in you know forms of uh, technology and particularly as it relates to pleasure, mm-hmm. um, ways to enable people to pleasure their partners when they're not physically together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously, you know, they're you know folks who are in long distance relationships or you know, have a, a relationship where somebody has to travel all the time. Mm-hmm. There are all sorts of, uh, <laughs> the, the phrase they use is teledildonics. Teledildonics. So, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Say that three times fast. So, yeah, so teledildonics is this rapidly expanding fia- field where you have, you know, the ability for some, like one partner to wear a vibrator and the other person to control it. Um, you know, that being a very rudimentary example, but, you know, all the way up through you know, there's remote controlled hands and fingers and other f- sorts of uh, yeah, technology, which starts to get really interesting. And it, it's funny, it like really hits this like weird Luddite part of me where like mm-hmm. I can totally understand why somebody who's in a long distance relationship, they're trying to, you know, keep yeah. sexual drive alive and they, you know, this is something that is really bringing their, their relationship happiness and, right. and life or whatever, like good right. on you. Do, mm-hmm. To me, that just feels so weird. And I just don't know that like personally I could ever get over that. They're like... <laughs> I don't want like an electronic middleman. I don't yeah. want. Sounds like a hard <laughs> letter. It is. <laughs> it's a hard letter. letter. I do not want to outsource sex yeah. to robots. It yeah. feels weird to me, and it feels like something that that is in some way commodifying sexual mm. experience that that should not be commodified. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree, but I think it's really similar to to porn. Um, I think one of the really great. Uh, inventions if you will uh is this uh heartbeat pillow um where you can have uh each partner has a pillow and you can hear the other person's heartbeat um when it's activated and so that's awesome and that's very sweet yes (laughs) now when we're talking about hands (laughs) that are controlled over just something about it being detached is weird for me um and it not being like attached to a larger thing or person or robot, but just being detached. Like I don't, I don't know. It's, it's it just feels strange. creepy. It's weird. It's weird. So speaking of creepy, I feel like where we're building to here and where all conversations around <laughs> sex tech go are sex robots. Sex robots. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which has been the subject of much fascination and intrigue and political yes. conversation and all sorts of other things over the last few years. And mm-hmm. there are already are, you know, uh, prototypes well on their way uh, to, to being full-fledged sex robots. Yes. Um, and so I think before we start to dive into that, I would sort of, if we can like lay some, some ground rules on like what qualifies as a sex robot, yes. I would say like a, like a mannequin or a full mm-hmm. m- person-sized robot that is manifestly designed for sexual pleasure is that yeah so it sounds like right now what's available are sex dolls that have mechanized heads um that also have ai attached to it so i think that it's less a full sex robot it's really a doll with a head with some thinking and reactions. <laughs> um, I think where they're building towards 100%. is you know, like a fully, you know, AI automated, automated. robot. Person, um, yes. 
and that feels like there's a lot of ethical questions in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, particularly as it relates, if you're, you know, actually imbuing something with artificial intelligence, I think, you know, the degree to like, how strong or weak that AI right. is really complicates, I think, that ethically. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. does a, a sex, is a sex robot capable of consent? Right. Um, right. And if you have, particularly if you have something with with a stronger AI where it actually has some level of consciousness, mm-hmm. right. what does that mean to then be creating semi-conscious beings for the purpose of sexual pleasure of their right. owners? Right, right. Like, that has weird sexual slavery overtones to me. A hundred percent. I think that when, when I first started kind of learning more and doing my research, um, at first I was like, okay, you know, sure, to each their own. Um... But I think what troubles me is the fact that they are learning. It's not just that you have a command and a response, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, there's an action and a response or whatever. It's really that they're learning. So, you know, they're uh, embedding cameras within uh, the face of, of these uh, sex robots dolls um, so that they can not only see but recognize you as the owner, uh, and then also with this learning AI, um, it's being able to kind of have this whole conversation with you and learn more about how to please you better, I guess, is, would be the point of having a sex doll robot. I don't know. I think the learning part is what's scary for me. I think if it was just a doll that could be like, yes, no, whatever. <laughs> Or, I mean, if you were creating something that was essentially just a mechanized series of responses that are sort of pre-programmed. So, like, weak AI where, like, you have, you know, like Siri where, you know, Siri is not actually doing anything beyond what it has been programmed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But as soon as you start, yeah, exactly, integrating learning, integrating in that sort of strong AI component, I feel like you really hit a point where ethically it becomes very, very blurry as to, you know, what is what is human and what yeah. is machine or what is, you know, sentient in, in exactly. general. Because then um, where is the, where is the line? Where is the limit? Where is it that we say, okay, now you are a sentient being and now you need consent before you can engage with these robots. Like we're there in right now, there is no line. The, the word robot, it comes from a Czech word meaning slave. Mm. Um, that's etymologically where, where robot comes from. Um, and it's, you know, interesting to see as we're developing more and more sophisticated robots, mm-hmm. how that is becoming more and more true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in yeah. ways that are increasingly very uncomfortable. And I think will, will only become more so as artificial intelligence continues to develop by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also like an interesting political conversations have sort of on the side here. Where, yeah. So like one of the, the strong arguments that's made for sex robots in certain corners of the internet is that you have mm-hmm. all of these lonely men out there who, you know, for whatever reason, aren't able to find uh, sexual partners right. and feel alienated mm-hmm. and feel angry and mm-hmm. they might be prone to violence and they might be right. prone to acts of aggression. And if you could, you you know, supply them with sex robots, then that would just, that would solve, solve all those problems and they wouldn't be angry young men anymore and they would be with their bots. Uh, and I just don't know that I buy that. I think that yeah. one of the reasons why men become violent is because they perceive other bodies as theirs. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. A, it's an element of ownership. It's an element. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that would be helped by supplying these people with with semi-conscious bodies that they actually own. Right. Legally. Legally, right. And uh, who knows, you know, again, where the boundaries are. Um, I think think it's an interesting thing because I think that we have to kind of open that up a little bit, right? Because I think forever, right, as 
people have engaged with sex workers, um, there's always this, well, at least what I have heard and read about is, you know, there's always this companionship part of it. Um, and that a lot of times, um, specifically men are going to folks um, really just to talk. And so I think it's an interesting thing to think about um, the companionship part of the AI that's coming with these sex robots, because I think that that's really a bigger piece that we need to talk through because, you know, it sounds like these folks that are really lonely and, you know, might not have any other sexual interactions with another human, you know, is it, is it okay that they're, you know, making this decision to have a sex robot in their home? Sure, fine. But I think the issue is, <clears throat> again, the, the, the lack of boundary, um, for me at least, in terms of this robot possibly developing consciousness. Um, but then also, you know, as we, again, as we brought up in the beginning of the, of the show is, uh, you know, this importance of image and, you know, all of the social media and um, how that has really made folks really, really lonely. Uh, and there's all these yeah. studies on it. And I feel like sex robots in general are an attempt to, to treat the symptom, but not the cause. That you have all of these people who are experiencing profound loneliness, who are right. experiencing alienation from other people and mm -hmm. uh, lack of, of gratification and all sorts of different avenues in their life. And so they're depressed and, and anxious yeah. and sad. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to treat that by giving them robotic companionship. Right rather than, you know, trying to build the kinds of communities that we need and to, to socialize people into better ways of being so that they can find real human companionship. Mm -hmm. That seems mm -hmm. like sort of an end around the hard work that needs to be done to address a lot of these deep set right. pathologies. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, we're just sort of opting for like a quick techno fix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I think we found with a lot of the topics that we've talked about, you know, is really this this easy fix to a really a larger societal and cultural issue. Um, you know, the fact that folks are really lonely. Um, you know, I was reading about how uh, in Japan, loneliness is, is a really big social problem and their uh, birth rate is severely declining. Mm -hmm. um, and so what, is, what does this mean for, for Japan, right? Does, are they just going to have even less births now that folks are not even, you know, getting together uh, with another human, but really just having a robot at home? What does that mean? What does that mean for society? Um, I, I think I think it's interesting. The other part of what about when couples have a sex robot at home? You know, what does that mean? You know, is that, again, going back to my VR porn example earlier, is that something that you're sharing? Is that something that one person has that another person doesn't? And not to mention, like, what if you have, you know, you, the parents have a sex robot and, like, kid finds it or something. You know, right. like, there's all sorts what is that? What, what yeah, does that so mean? What we were talking about before is like you know, these, you know, easy, you know, quote unquote, easy mm -hmm. solutions to hard problems that technology offers that then create the whole host of problems that you haven't envisioned once exactly. they're, you know, they become in common use. Mm -hmm. And like, mm -hmm. I've seen the Matrix. Like, right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how I feel about creating a whole bunch of strong AI robots just running around just running that we've, out. you know, consigned to people's sexual pleasure who are who are learning and, and adapting mm -hmm. and changing and, mm -hmm. of their own accord. Like, I, that seems like a scary proposition to me. 100%. Another interesting thing to think about is what about in the future, 
which is like very recent, <laughs> in the future when you have robots who, for example, are helping with housework or helping watch your kids. And then that robot at nighttime is then a sex robot. What does that mean? What does that look like? That, you know, when, and, and also what's our psychology behind having such a machine, again, that could be a sentient being in your house? That's playing with your kids and then is in your bedroom with your partner. Later. Playing with someone else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, 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 is, what does that mean? What are we doing? Um, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, the other thing that came up is uh, digisexual. Folks who um, perf- either one like or prefer to have sex with... Uh, some technological advance or robot or anything in that kind of sphere. Um, and, you know, what is, what does that mean? I think it's, it's an interesting thing to think about um, as just a different type of preference. I would be interested in like age breakdowns of mm. people who identified as, as digisexual. Yeah. I would be in part just because I'd be interested in seeing if there was a higher prevalence in younger people who mm. have just grown up with technology right. being a ubiquitous part of their mm-hmm. life at all times and so see it as much more of sort of a natural. I know right. for me, Probably. like I, I still feel like tech occupies sort of an external place where I perceive technology mm. as you know, outside of myself, but mm-hmm. I feel like. You know, yeah. from my like little cousins and stuff who yeah. you know grew up like playing on an iPad when he was a little kid. Like right. that line between where you end and technology begins right. starts to blur a lot more. Yeah. Um, and so I can see people being like, "Yeah, like what? What's the? You know, I, I interact yeah. with with robots for all sorts of other things. Like mm-hmm. what's what's so weird about interacting with them for sex? Right, right. Especially like you said, when it's just so commonplace, right? And I'm sure we'll be increasingly more commonplace um you know it's like you infants on facetime (laughs) how are like what are their ideas going to be when they grow up what are they going to think about this um are we we might be the old schoolers yeah they're going to be like (laughs) shut up grandpa what are you talking about (laughs) have an open mind like your sex robot is weird (laughs) (laughs) um so i want to talk a little bit more about um the actual technology as part of uh, sex robots. Um, so some of the things that uh, the advances, the way in which those advances are going, um, one of the things is uh, Smart Skin um, by a company called Touch You, which means that the touch skin... You. Touch You. Oh, Come on. Yeah. Hey, you got it. <laughs> um, so basically, the skin operates on a sex robot, operates like a touchscreen, um, and then would allow the robot to react, like sense um, when it's being touched. Which again, we go into sensing and feeling, and what does that mean? Um, and where is the line, be- like functionally between yeah. what's human and what's robot? Exactly. Um, also, some of these robots are being built with uh, vaginal sensors, so they can react to. Uh, thrusts and we'll know if it's going deeper or not uh which again is just it's it's really interesting uh uh the founder of real dolls um they have a sex robot called harmony 
he was talking about how he actually wants people to have a feeling for his robots or the robots or their robots um, and, and love them. And I think that we just go back into this conversation of what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Um, yeah, I think the other thing that's that's challenging going back to, you know, the legal aspect of it is how do you as a government kind of govern around these advances again happening way faster than our legislative yeah, like, process? Yeah, do you you know, force companies to create some sort of age verification system where, which right. which again as the history of porn websites so radically demonstrate yes. is going to be woefully incompetent. Right. Um, yeah, like, what year were you born? I was born in 1947. Oh, come on in! You know, like, <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, like, I don't yeah. know what kind of, you know, more sophisticated, you know, presumably if it's a, you know, a sentient AI or whatever, there might be some way to be a little bit, you know, more rigorous in, mm -hmm. in determining if, you know, it's a minor who is accessing the sex robot. But, like, right. I don't really have that much confidence in it. Uh, you know, not enough. Right. Not no, much. neither do I. There's, um, there's a bill called, actually called Creeper. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, and it bans any childlike sex robots. None exist, but preemptively they have this policy, which that yes, seems like a good good, good idea. Yes, good idea. Um, I do want to add in that I found out that um, Alabama um, still has a ban on sex toys and is the only state in the in our country, the United States of America. Uh, can I just read you this line? It's a ban on any um, devices that allow for stimulation of human genital organs. I just... Come on, Alabama. <laughs> come on. Get it together. Get, let's just... Come on. Come on. You're the only state... Anyway, uh, I digress. But, but I mean, like, that's not actually a, a horrible data point in the sense that, like, we are now having a conversation about sex robots right. in a country where one of the states says, no dildos. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. the legislative process and the technological process are happening on two wildly what? different time frames. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I do not have any confidence in the ability of legislation. We barely can pass legislation on on things that matter. Right. I mean, not that, not that this doesn't matter, but we can barely pass right. legislation on things that are comfortable to talk about and play mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. um, like, I'll be real. I was not super... I, I was a little anxious in preparing for this podcast because, like, I feel a little uncomfortable having a conversation about sex tech in here, the privacy of our, our recording studio. Yes. Uh, you know, what does that then mean to have that conversation on the floor of the Senate? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what confidence do I have, you know, that a legislative body that frequently seems flummoxed by what the Internet is broadly <laughs> is going to be able to have a nuanced conversation about sexual technology? Like, I, I just don't right. see that happening. And so it seems like the other alternative is that we're just going to leave it up to companies to regulate themselves. And I, I really don't trust that. We've seen how that goes poorly, right? <laughs> What's interesting is half of Americans expect in the next 50 years that robot sex will be common. Just yeah, interesting. Count me in that half. I, I, I fully expect that. I, I, I agree. I agree. What's interesting is the breakdown of folks that um, label it as intercourse is only 14% of the folks that were in this, in this survey. 33% um, related it more towards masturbation. 
Uh, and then 27% thought it was neither. That's with no category. No, no. I don't know how I Because it exists it. outside of like our traditional yes. frames. Yes. I think that like that neither feels right to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's not intercourse and right. it's not masturbation. It's right. some sort of weird intermediate else. stage where you're interacting with a with a vaguely sentient or, you know, who knows rather more who sentient knows. being. Right, right. Um in, in ways that you would not be able to act with another human person mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the sense of owning them for your sexual pleasure. Right. right. Uh, I, think, sex. I think we are not even remotely prepared to have this conversation. Not, not, not that one. So God help us all. No, not that, not that <laughs> one. No, not at all. I think, though, it's it's challenging to have a conversation about how a new technology is going to impact our society that's really based in misogyny and patriarchy, right? Because a lot of the conversation around porn um, and just whether or not that is okay, you know, Um, and how a lot of these images, and if you Google the images of these sex robots, they look a little crazy. Like, they don't look like real people, at least to me. Um, they, They look like they are created for a specific function, um, which will get very complicated with additional AI. Um, but I think that, you know, when you're talking about having this conversation on a Senate floor, you know, the same Senate floor where we talk about equal pay, like women still aren't getting paid the same as men, but then we want to have a whole conversation about men owning robots that look like women that give them pleasure Mm -hmm. that have a certain level of possible consciousness. Yeah, and how does that reinforce misogyny? How does that reinforce patriarchy? And, and exactly. I, I fully anticipate it will. Right. Because um, you have people who already perceive women as uh, robots. As sex robots, honestly. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah. Like, <laughs> actually do. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, what is the, how has that situation then changed when you are then giving these same folks actual sex robots? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was particularly interesting when I was going through the the statistics of kind of um, what women feel about about these sex robots and men. Um, so there's this percentage of nine women, nine percent of women um, wouldn't engage. Uh, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's, that's, that sounds very. That's wrong. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. <laughs> We're just gonna delete that part out. Um, what I was going to say is it's really interesting the statistics about what, what men women think differently about sex robots. What's interesting for me is that, again, we're operating already on this foundation of patriarchy uh, in this country. So then you're asking women to answer questions about sex and pleasure when a lot of times we're not allowed to really have these conversations in real ways, right? Like. The way in which women have been socialized from a very early age to think about sex and to think about pleasure, it, it's, it contrasts really sharply with being able to have a full conversation about whether or not you actually want to engage with intercourse or digi-sex with a robot. Um, I, I feel like we're, we're starting at an unfair, unfair place, if that makes sense. You know, I, well, and it does feel just 
just enmeshed and uh, soaked in so much patriarchy. You can just the conversation yes. about about sex robots, the creation of sex robots. Any interview yeah. I see with somebody who's you know the head of one of these sex robot companies, it just yeah. feels so creepy and weird and wrong. And like if that person could be building real women that men could own, they would absolutely be doing it. I don't disagree with you. And every conversation about like the kind of sex robot they want to build, it's always like, how much, how close can I make this to being a real human woman? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But not actually. Well, because we can't own them. <laughs> right. And because I don't want them to talk to me and tell me to clean up after myself. I mean, that's that was one of the things that these these men that were interviewed that have sex robots were talking about, like the air quotes mess of of an actual human woman and having that relationship. And they would prefer to just have something that doesn't really respond, other than you know, with other than the ways that they want it, or they would like it to be programmed. To exactly, respond. exactly. And I just back to our conversation right. about pervasive, pervasive loneliness and despair. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's actually going to help that. Right, the, right. The I agree. like you are sad and anxious and feel alienated because you lack real deep human interaction with other people. Mm -hmm. I feel that very strongly mm -hmm. and I don't mm -hmm. feel like giving people a specialized robot that will that will meet one very niche part of yeah. their needs as a human being mm -hmm. is going to be able to supply them what they need to be a, a fully satisfied and, and you know well-rounded person. Yeah. I don't, you know, this is this is not the panacea you're looking for. Right, right. I do. I so not the say, droids you were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think that I think my like general feeling about it is, if you if you want to engage in having a sex robot, that's your jam. If that if that's what you want to do, like you go for it. But I do think that you can't have that conversation without also thinking about patriarchy. You just can't. And so it's, it's almost like, I, I can't just be like, do you do it? Like, which is normally my response to, you know, preference things, but it, this goes beyond that because of the potential of where the AI is going. Well, something that like Foucault talks about, where he says that like, you, you can't have a conversation about anything related to sex as if it's occurring in a vacuum, that right. sex exists in a world, in a political world and mm -hmm. the politics of our world impact the politics of sex and they are inextricable from one another and so yes you can't have a conversation about sex robots and pretend it's only a conversation about sex robots because right. sexual politics are inextricably enmeshed with human politics mm -hmm. and until mm -hmm. we you know start unraveling some of the deep set toxic patriarchy that inf infects so much human relationship i can't help but feel that introducing sex robots into this equation will have anything but disastrous results right yeah Hello. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> this has been Neo Luddite Hour with Ben and Rachel. Yes. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fast Forward. As a reminder, what we've shared today are our own personal opinions and some of our jokes. But not expert-level information. So as always, please do your own research. And remember, please base no life or death decisions on our ramblings. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for the next episode.